Stephen Manjee. Thanks, Travis. So it's great to be here this morning. Uh, we've been at Grace Church for uh, close to five years, and uh, it's a privilege and honor to be one of the pastors here. I love this church, love being here. It's been a blessing. And uh, just thinking about truth, you know, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor, so I really learned how to perform really well. You know, you keep up a good appearance, and, uh, and yet inside my heart was dark, my heart was evil, and yet I learned how to kind of keep a good show going. And so this is a really key thing for us to understand who we are in Christ and who He is. Because as I was in my 20s, I, I wanted to follow the Lord, but it was, it was really hard. It was a struggle. And uh, I began to realize, wow, God loves me for who I am. I don't have to perform and try really hard to keep up this appearance, but I'm chosen. I'm accepted, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. And so that truth really began to liberate my heart and my life. But it took me a while to get there. So um, maybe that's you today. Maybe God will really release his truth in our hearts afresh today and let us know how much he loves us how much he cares about us. Do we have to perform to make him happy? He's already very, very satisfied with what Jesus did on the cross and that we are completing him. So uh, just some thoughts as I was thinking about the, the truth. I'm going to let my wife introduce our family and uh, share some things about our marriage and our lives together. Nearly 28 years, 29 years this year, right? So over to my wife, Maggie. It's always dangerous to give a pastor a microphone because it's hard for us to let go. Yeah, he's already speaking the things I'm supposed to be saying. <laughs> so, yeah, it's lovely to be here this morning. And um, as Steve said, we've been married, uh, be 29 years this uh, July. And uh, we moved to Minnesota uh, before we were one year married. The Lord moved us from England to come and live and be a part of a small church down in southwest Minnesota near Marshall. And all that he spoke to us in our uh, youthful enthusiasm. Uh, we came here for our honeymoon and we were praying and seeking the Lord for our future. Where we, should we live? What should we do? And God just spoke to us and said, I want you to come and be a part of this small church and just be an encouragement to that church. And we were 24 and 22 years old. And, um, you know, for us, it was very, very exciting. We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to do exactly what he says. We're going to go and be a part of that church and be an encouragement to that church. However, that looks and we were, I think we celebrated our first anniversary in, uh, in Minneota, Minnesota. And, uh, and so um, I think this is our family right now, uh, Steve and I, and we have five children, three girls and two boys. Uh, our oldest is Hannah, she's married. And so we have the joy of having two beautiful granddaughters that we love that stage of life. And then our son, Daniel, he's married to Maria. And then we have Amy, Ellie, and Isaac, who are our three, two at college and one is a senior. So we are also on the verge of becoming empty nesters. And uh, so that's, um, that's exciting uh, as well. We're not the couple that are saying that we don't want uh, emptiness. We're looking forward to that season of life too. But we'll be sad to say uh, bye to Isaac as well. So, um, yeah, that's our family. And so I'm going to pass it back to Steve to share a little bit about our marriage story, and then uh, we'll talk a bit more about truth. Yeah, the importance of truth. When I brought uh, Manjit home, uh, you know, honestly, we're not very happy. They, um, my mom said to me, I remember it really clearly in the kitchen. She said, I said, what, what do you think? You know, isn't she amazing? 
And they're like, well, we, we really felt like you'd get married to one of our friend's children. I was like, oh, really? Okay. Um, okay. And then my dad took me into a, a living room where another pastor friend of his came over and they sat me down and uh, said, you know, Steve, the Bible doesn't agree with cross-cultural marriage. I was like, oh, wow, really? So my dad's a pastor, loves the Lord. I mean, so he, so they grabbed the Bible and said, you know, you really shouldn't be marrying Manjeet. You should be marrying somebody who's white. Literally said that to me. And uh, so I, I was sitting there. I was pretty shocked. I mean, I was uh, 20. Let me think I was 20, 20 years old. And my dad, you know, was pastoring for many years. And I was thinking, wow, this is intense. What do I say? And... Uh, as I was sitting there, you know, I, I, my Bible knowledge wasn't super high, but I'd been, you know, schooled through Sunday school, and I was thinking, Lord, what, you know, what, what do I say? And uh, remembered, remember the verse, a verse in Galatians, uh, there's, there's no male or female, no Jew or Gentile in Christ Jesus. So I managed to kind of mumble that out and said, you know what, what about, what about this verse? And, and I remembered Solomon, the beginning of Song of Songs. I don't know where I plugged that from, but. You know, young guys like to read Song of Songs for some rather nefarious reasons, right? Uh, but I remembered in Song of Solomon, it said, but she is dark, but lovely. And so I said, Dad, wasn't Solomon dark and lovely like, like Manjeet, like this woman I want to marry? I wasn't quite as, you know, jovial as that. But I, uh, and so it kind of went quiet and they just said, well, we're really concerned about your kids. We're concerned about racism and... And uh, so just, and I said, well, guys, I really feel like God's brought Manjit into my life that I, I, I really want to. And uh, so we proceeded with, with our wedding. And also on, on Manjit's side, there was family members that weren't happy. There'd never been a white person in her family. And so they were upset too. Her brother-in-law threatened to kill me. I don't think he would have done. He wasn't, uh, wasn't a violent man, but he was very angry. And so, so we, really, we really had to, from the very beginning, we had to be really convinced that truth of who God is, of who we are in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. We're not defined by our nationality or the color of our skin. But, but God's brought us together. And we, we found that, that, that 20, 29 years later, God's still uh, with us. He's given us a great family. So prayer. As, we, as we've gone through our lives, we, I'm kind of doing a segue here. I got carried away with that story there. But um, uh, prayer has really helped us to know the true condition of our hearts. So right from the beginning, because of the opposition to us getting married, because of the challenges of a cross-cultural marriage, we really uh, began to pray together before we got married. And prayer became kind of a rhythm and a routine in our lives. And it's really helped us to know the true condition of each other's heart. If we can be honest about the condition of our hearts to each other in prayer, God can lead us in his truth. And so thinking about truth and prayer, I'm going to hand the microphone to my wife. Thank you. So there are many important aspects of truth within marriage. And one of the ways that we together have seen truth grow in our marriage is, as Steve said, through praying together. As a mom, I often pray um, through the days in unstructured times of prayer. These times are powerful and God hears them. They're heartfelt calls to God throughout my day. 
And I'm sure you have your own examples of that kind of prayer. For me, it looked like when I was folding laundry, whichever kid I was folding laundry of, I would pray for them. Or if I'm cleaning up and vacuuming a bedroom, I'd pray for that child. Just different unstructured times. Something would come up, I'd hear something from the kids and I'd pray for them. Unstructured times of prayer. But we also need to have built into our lives structured times. And I have to say that the times that I, Steve and I have built the structured time of praying together into our busy schedule have been very powerful in our marriage. Very, very powerful. And here are some of the reasons why. Our marriage is strengthened by our times of prayer together. A strong marriage is a fortress for us and our family, and the enemy will do all that he can to bring that fortress down. And we know that today in the climate that we live in, marriage is under attack. And so pray together. Praying together also encourages your prayer life and inspires you to grow in prayer. I know that when we pray together, it just gives me more of a hunger to be doing that by myself when I'm spending time with the Lord. So because we do it together, it just helps you to develop more of that lifestyle. Jesus went aside to pray, didn't he? We read that many times in scripture. We need to do it for ourselves individually, but we also need to do it together as a couple. Doing it together as a couple helps fuel you doing it yourself as well. Truth. You hear the truth of what is burdening each other's hearts and learn more about each other. And this helps us pray more effectively for one another. And so an example of that is when something is going on in one of our hearts and it's burdening us and we're feeling really anxious or stressed or whatever it might be, I found that when we've prayed together, that's when I hear more about who Steve is. That's when I hear more about how this situation might be affecting his heart. And as he's bringing that out to the Lord and we're praying together about it, it actually lands on me much better than if we're in the kitchen and he says, I'm really frustrated about blah, blah, blah. We're actually bringing it to where it should. And as he's expressing it, it gives me more compassion and empathy rather than judgment that sometimes can happen when we're sharing with each other what's going on in our lives and stuff. We are blessed as we pray together because we hear each other truthfully expressing needs, concerns, and sin. This causes love to grow in our marriage and or helps us to really relate to one another authentically. This week this happened. We had a situation in our home where both of us individually were really um, struggling with a situation and both of us had sinned in that situation. And we hadn't talked about it to each other because that just would have made it worse. We just chose, I guess, not to. But then the next morning when we spent our time of praying together, um, Steve prayed about it and I prayed about it. And I thought, oh, wow, you were really struggling in the same way that I was about this. And it was really encouraging. It was encouraging for me to see that I'm not the only one struggling with this. He's struggling with it too. Then we were able to support each other in that area and say, how can we move forward? So the next time this happens, we don't sin, but that we move forward together, united uh, as well um, and stuff. So... Um, and other areas for our children. We become united in our parenting as we pray for our children. And this helps to reduce conflict as well. Sometimes the kids will share with me, mom, this and this, is, this has happened. And we haven't had a chance in the busyness of life to talk about that. And so when we pray together, I might start praying for one of our children. And then he hears, oh, that's going on with them. And, and um, it just is a really good way of being able to know what's going on with each other's 
uh, with our children as we pray for them. Um, and he does that too. He'll pray for them because he's had a conversation that I've not known about. And so it just encourages um, communication even as we're communicating to God with what's going on. Um, and then lastly, it puts you on the offense against the enemy's pursuit of your marriage. Because believe it or not, he, we, as we said in the beginning, he is wanting to bring down our marriage bring us down he'll bring our kids down and and you know the fallout is huge and so praying together puts us in that offensive position as well so I can't stress enough how much these intentional planned times of prayer have helped us in our family life and the defense of our marriage against the lies of the enemy and praying together has helped us to be more honest with each other and enabled us to embrace the truth of who God says we are as well. So just practically, I'm going to just share a few things of how you can do this. Here are some ideas of uh, some of the ways in which we have implemented this in our marriage as well. Uh, and I just want to just a caveat here. It's not like we are the couple that wakes up every morning and prays together every single morning. No, we don't do that. We have that as a goal, but it's not something that we, um, you know, we're not up here like that. We know it's important, and so we try to build it in. So firstly, decide when you will pray together. It doesn't always have to be the same time in the same way every day. For us, it varies a lot. Set a time that will work in your family dynamics. Sometimes we do the morning. Now that the weather's nice, we'll go out for prayer walks. That's a different way of praying together. Know each other's life patterns and help each other. And by that, I mean I'm not an early morning person, but Steve is. And usually we do pray in the mornings before the kids get up. And he knows that I'm not an early morning person. So what he does is he brings me up a cup of tea in the morning and it helps me wake up and then helps me for our time to be praying together. So know one another and really help each other be there. If you know what your wife needs or you know what your husband needs to help them be there, then try to build that in so that you can do that. Stay focused. I'm not always the best at this. Steve will tell you I get distracted trying to discuss all the events of the day as we women like to. Uh, but stay, uh, stay focused um, uh, on, on the praying and uh, you can, all of that stuff can wait. And actually, as I said earlier, it comes out as you pray. So sometimes you find there's not as much to discuss with what's going on. Don't get discouraged. If one day does not work because life happens, just regroup for the next day. Sometimes we go a few days or a week without being able to pray together. Life happens. Simply encourage each other to get back into it and don't let the enemy rob you of this time together. That's the lie he'll feed you. Oh, you failed. Just let it go. Don't forget it. It's not important. It's the most important thing you can do. Even if you've gone a month without doing it, just remind it, hey, honey, you know, I... We need to get back to doing that. Things were so much, you know, better than um, then just because we're bringing that third chord of our, you know, the three-chord strand, you know, where that's the third chord. It's vital as well. Um, if this is new for you and you've never prayed together, I don't want to encourage you this morning to start. There's no time more urgent for your marriage than now. Set achievable goals in order to establish a pattern. Maybe for you once a week is what works for now. That's still better than nothing. All right, once a week even, and that will get the enemy in motion to oppose you. So you, you get, get going on it. It might feel awkward if praying with your spouse is new, and that's okay. Praying out loud together may also be awkward as well. So maybe pray through some scriptures and insert your names in there. This is a powerful way to articulate your spiritual desires for your marriage and helps you with how to pray. 
And lastly, it seems to be true that for any habit to form and remain, an accountability partner may be a good thing. Find a couple who you can ask to hold you both accountable by asking you specific questions with how are you doing with this uh, and in your pursuit. Um, in, in your groups even, you can agree, say, hey, you, why don't you encourage us and we'd encourage you. Start simple, but at least agree to start. Thanks, Ranjit. Well, as we wrap up here this morning, uh, you know, I work for Dave Gibson, so I have to come out with a cute little phrase. <laughs> the couple that prays together stays together. So that's what I, uh, one of the things that Dave loves to say. But I just want to wrap up with a quick thought out of Numbers 21. And I was reading this this morning, and it just really seemed applicable. You know, we're a long way from perfect. Don't get any idea that we have the perfect marriage. We are a work in progress uh, with lots of areas that God is sanctifying and working in us. And as Travis said at the beginning, God's more concerned with our character than he is with our happiness. And, but unfortunately, sometimes our goals are different to God's, right? And this is what happened to the children of Israel. Their goal was to get to this great land, the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. And it says in verse 4 of Numbers 21, and the people became impatient on the way. And I want to really encourage you that we can get really impatient on the way. We have this dream of this perfect marriage where everything's great and the sun's always shining. And we get impatient. And we get to believe the lies that the enemy might speak to us or the culture that we live in. And... Um, they begin to speak in verse 5 against God and against Moses. They say, why have you brought us up out of Egypt? Why? We didn't want to die in the wilderness. There's no food. There's no water. We loathe this worthless food. Well, there was food and there was water. There was all they needed. But they began to believe the lie. And uh, God sent fiery serpents among them. And those serpents began to bite them. And uh, Jesus used this story in John chapter 3, didn't he? And he he told Nicodemus about the bronze serpent. And when the people looked at the serpent, they were healed. And it was a picture of Jesus on the cross taking our sin. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you are today in your marriage, uh, believe that God is working. Believe that God wants to do more than you can ask or think. And believe that he is for you, not against you. And I really encourage you. We found prayer to be a great truth bringer in our marriage encourage you even if you've never really done it to spend time uh, even if it's five minutes a day just begin to cultivate a life where you look into Jesus and they came in verse 7 says we have sinned we've spoken against the Lord and against you pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us so Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses make a fiery serpent set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live and Moses is a type of Christ. You know, Christ is interceding for us. And as we look to him, we will live. We'll find that truth will thrive, that those things we believe that are untrue about ourselves, about our spouse, about the Lord, will begin to diminish. And as we nourish our souls on the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of his great love for us, the truth of the power of the cross and the power of the blood of Jesus that will begin to be nourished in our hearts. And we begin to be able to live the lives that God wants us to live as we submit to his good and gracious hand in our marriages. So I encourage you today, don't be impatient on the way, but look to Jesus and live. Amen. Thanks for having us today.